0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. What a blessing. We are, I, my name is Randy Clowder. I'm the Executive Director of the Wilderness Fellowship. It has been a privilege extraordinaire to be here for this conference these last couple of days. I've had the opportunity to introduce our four speakers, and now is our chance to introduce the final finish line speaker. Here we come, Todd Marshall from Worship Is Life. I wanted this session to close encouraging you to take this with you, and he's going to tell you how to do that. He's down there. I thought he was right behind me, and that's when I turned around. Where'd he go? So anyway, you guys um, have been a great blessing to us. I know that the message that Todd has for you this morning is going to impact your life as it did mine. It really did. The first time I heard him, I just went, wow, that guy puts a spin in a good way on things I've never really heard said that way before. Come and join us. Thank you for being here. God bless you. I think you use this mic. Thank
1: Thank you, my friend. Good morning, church. Welcome to the best time of the week. I am so thankful we can be here together. There was a few moments on Friday where I didn't know if I was going to be here with you. So, Judy, if you can put up that next slide. This is my family, and my lovely wife is standing in the middle. We've been married for 35 years. Yeah. And on Friday, she was coordinating a family wedding, And it was the youngest sister of my son-in-law, Ben, on the right there. So, of course, he's in the wedding. My daughter, Kelsey, is in the wedding. My wife, Brenda, is coordinating the wedding. Um, I was coming later, and I was about 30 minutes from the venue, and my wife, Brenda, calls me in tears, panicking and begging me to pray for her. So, she was in the middle of a rapid heartbeat episode. This is about 45 minutes before the ceremony was going to begin. And she's had these off and on since a teenager. It's pretty common. Any of you ladies have these rapid heartbeat episodes? Yeah, so it's pretty common in ladies. Some guys have them too. Doctors have never been able to figure out anything. Anyway, usually they last a minute or two. She sits down, takes a couple deep breaths, and then they're gone. Well, she had a couple episodes on the way to the venue which surprised her and got her concerned. And then while she was running around in 85-degree temperature, she'd been fighting the cold, so taking cold medicine. Who knows why it happens, whatever. Anyway, this episode would not stop. So I got there. She's obviously feeling the pressure of her role in this wedding, family wedding, in-laws wedding. And um, so we were in the van with the AC running and just uh, just asking the Lord <laughs> for his help, <laughs> and um, so it was getting close to wedding time, so I was running around doing all of her pre-coordinating stuff for her, uh, went back to the van, and she's like, thank God, it's back to normal, it's back to normal, but so, but in that, in that half hour there, I'm like, Okay, am I going to be calling 911 in the next hour? Am I going to be traveling to the emergency room with her? Is she going to divorce me if I even say, should I still go to Siren, Wisconsin for this, for this conference? But thank God, her heart went back to normal, and she's resting good today. She got through the rest of the wedding, and I am here with you, and you are here together with the Lord. So, so thankful to be here with you. Um, So, this is my great, wonderful family. Um, Brendan and I served as worship arts pastors for 30 years, started in Minnesota, then went to Wisconsin for three and a half years. That's where our son Taylor was born, right in this state, and then we went to New York. But So, we were in uh, Plover, Wisconsin for three and a half years serving, and uh, any of you see two weeks ago how Plover, Wisconsin made national news? Only a couple of you? Come on, really? Yeah, you probably just don't want to admit it. So so this hit the national news two weeks ago, and I had to send it to several friends, including the pastors that I served there uh, with for three and a half years. So they repainted the water tower in Plover. Plover, right? P L V. O-E-R, on the water tower. Big letters, as big as you can be. So, Plover is now famous across the country for their misspelled water tower. Um, so, Taylor basically grew up in New York because that's where, they, where we were for uh, 14 years before the story that brings me to you today. Um, Next picture. And then this is our latest addition to the family, our first grandchild, Zane. That's Zane with a Y. Thank you. Zane. He is seven months old and just started crawling last week. And, uh, yeah, he is lighting up our life. So loving that, loving that. Next. So this is a picture of the sanctuary at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle on Long Island, New York, where we last served full-time as worship arts pastors. This is one of our Friday night worship nights. Uh, pretty unique setting in this day and age. We had a 40-piece orchestra every Sunday, 60-voice choir. And um, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was a joy to serve there. I got to tell you, I, I do miss my orchestra. That might be what I miss most about New York is, uh, is our orchestra. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, anyway, next, uh, just to show you a few th- other shots from our sanctuary. This is one of our presentations. So this is Christmas, obviously. So my wife and I, for all the years that we served together, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we had central Wisconsin's only singing Christmas tree for the three and a half years that we were there. And then New York uh, next. And then also annually we did this big passion play. So in New York... Um, we would do six presentations. We'd have about 8,000 people come through. This is one of the opening marketplace scenes. My wife was, she was the designer and the layer-outer and the choreographer and all that. Next, um, we've got a dance, really fun dance scene here with Jesus leading the men. Next, this is uh, the garden scene. Next, uh, crucifixion scene. Uh, long story, but actually that's my son on the right cross as a thief there. He got to substitute for... A few presentations there. Um, that was a really, actually, impactful experience for him. Next, um, this is uh, this is so this is the first layer of response at the end of the presentation. So you see all the hands up. This is this is why we did it. This is why we did all that work. Uh, next, okay. So um, oh, I was going to double check. So I think something's out of order here. So next, go again, Judy. Oh yeah. So here's the ascension scene, and then again next yeah all right so i showed you those pictures largely to get to this picture so this is what the sanctuary looked like on mother's day 2013 at 7:30 in the morning i was the only human being doesn't it kind of look like i'm the only person standing in the room <laughs> that's like that's what it was like that morning i was the only human being in the room, I was getting ready for what was going to be three Mother's Day services that day, and I was walking up that far staircase, next, so I was walking up that staircase, I got to the landing, and God stopped me dead in my tracks by interrupting my thoughts with His voice so clear that it may as well have been audible in a way that I don't think I remember ever hearing before. And I heard him say these words, you've done what you can do here. And I was just like in shock, like what Lord? could you give me sub points 1 2 and 3 with that stunning revelation shocking revelation so all that morning throughout the services I'm listening I'm listening is there going to be someone come up to me with a confirmation is there going to be a prophetic word from from someone during the service I'm listening 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 nothing the next morning Monday morning I'm in my quiet place at my set apart time and I'm just begging God 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 please what are you saying? What are you saying? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I go upstairs to go into the bathroom, to get ready to go into the office. I'm in the bathroom, and I heard him interrupt my thoughts so clearly with his voice, saying, all I have poured into you, you have poured out into them, and it has become part of their DNA, and now I need you to give it someplace else. Sorry, I have goosebumps right now because sometimes it just comes flooding back. I'm like, okay, so that's pretty clear. So now I'm starting to tell my wife what's going on, and now she's freaking out. But that's still not really enough to go on. And I'm just listening, listening, listening. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, I'm at my setup part place, my set-apart time, begging God to give the next point. And graciously and thankfully, I heard His voice interrupt my thoughts so clearly, it may as well have been audible, saying, I've given you a message for my church about worship, and I'm positioning you so that message will have a greater influence. I'm like, wow, okay. That's something to go on. And it was an eight-month journey. We were still on staff there, another eight months. And as it unfolded, we ended up leaving staff ministry, and that congregation pulled out of the parking lot at 6 a.m. on February 2nd. 2014, took two days to get back to Minnesota. We arrived on February 4th. February 4th, folks. (laughs) Two feet of snow, 10 below zero. Thanks, God. Really appreciate your loving kindness this moment. So it has been a journey that has literally taken me now all around the world, and that's what brings me here to you today. I was here about five years ago in the old building with uh, Pastor Andy, and then I was here a couple years ago uh, with Pastor Andrew, retreat, and, and spoke under Pastor CJ. So, Pastor CJ and I, we actually went to Bible college together. Yep. Um, Matter of fact, we actually played basketball against each other. So, Pastor CJ, I'm sure if you're watching, I'm sure he's regaled you with his basketball prowess. And I concur, he is one of the purest shooters I have ever seen. So, he was very good and on the team. I was not on the team for reasons that will be left unspoken. However, I did get to play against him in pickup games in the gym, and I would love it when I would get the opportunity to guard Pastor CJ, the best shooter at North Central Bible College, and I would just stick to him like glue, and I would just keep my hand in his face so he couldn't even get a shot off. It was the greatest accomplishment of my four years at North Central Bible College. So we love them. We love what him and Pastor Cheryl are doing here in Siren. We love Pastor Andrew and Becky. Uh, we've just had a great relationship with them and their gracious invitation for us to be at their retreat, and we've tried to do that again, and I'm sure it'll happen again in the past. But I also love Pastor Andrew for just his vision for just beyond these walls, beyond even Siren, because I serve part-time uh, as the district worship arts director for Minnesota, And so Pastor Andrew has seen what we're doing there, and he has a a vision to see that happen in the Assemblies of God, congregations in Wisconsin. So so we're working together on that and just love those guys so much. Um, And then Randy and Ethan, just their vision for wilderness fellowship and their passion and for bringing people together in the retreat place. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's so beautiful. Uh, I was staying at one of the prayer cabins this weekend, and this morning... While I ate breakfast, I got to watch baby turkeys eating their breakfast right outside my window. So if you have not been there, you need to take a personal retreat, take a family retreat, take a couple's retreat. It is just so beautiful. And I'm also blessed that one of the other speakers from our conference is here this morning. So Holly and her twin sister and her two interns are here. So Holly is just such a blessing to hear from you uh, this weekend, and just God bless you and God's calling on your life, and uh, I'm blessed that you're here this morning. So what is this message? Some of you have heard pieces of this before, but I know that there's a lot of people here who have not, and I just can't not give you these insights. I do want to ask you, though, for myself and for the Wilderness Fellowship people, how many of you are here right now? You were at the conference, but uh, Adventure Church is not your home church. But you came here because you were at the conference. Okay? Raise your hand. Good. The, the, Advent, the fellowship people are looking that good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That will help them and help me a little bit too. So, I'm going to... All right, next. <laughs> so, I had her put that slide in there, and then I forgot to go to it. All right, that's okay, Judy. We're good. All right, Next. Oh, yes. So, I've been around the world, and most recently, doing a lot of ministry in the country of Pakistan. So, Pakistan is the only closed country in all of Eurasia. So, 96% Muslim, less than 2% Christian. Christianity is legal there, but no outside Christian group can come in to the country of Pakistan. Matter of fact, it is against the Constitution. To, for a Christian to witness and proselytize a Muslim. Uh, I don't know if you've ever put two and two together here. I hadn't before this. But if you look at the Pakistani flag, the emblem on the Pakistani flag is actually the emblem for Islam. So they are hardcore there. So I got, so like everybody else, like Holly and the rest of us, when pandemic hit, we had to pivot in how we were doing things, what we were doing. So started doing a lot of international ministry via technology, got connected with this pastor and his wife. Um, they really are friendly people. Uh, I don't know. In Pakistan, they just don't smile when they take pictures. That's just how they do it there. But they are lovely people. Uh, this is their kids, Mary and Yahshua. Got connected with them. And ever since then, which has been over a year now, I have been teaching uh, via technology and Uh, Judy, again, every few seconds, you can just keep going now through these slides. Via technology, there's me with the pastor of the mother congregation there. Um, And whether using Skype or Messenger or finally got them going on Zoom, just teaching in these different settings in their villages. They have two congregations, and they have multiple villages they go out. We've been helping purchase food to feed these poor Christians. We've been ministering to children and feeding kids there. Oh, stay right there, Judy. Judy. So again, they are the poorest of the poor. They have the lowest level jobs. And one of the main, the main thing that keeps them in their cycle of poverty is lack of education. And then the main thing that keeps them from maximizing their potential in growing God's kingdom is lack of solid biblical teaching. Because many of these Christian villages are literally Christian in name only and just fighting to survive. And so we were able to help this pastor and his wife open a grocery store next. And uh, now that store is just a small little room, but now that store is half groceries and half makeup. And actually, there uh, and the makeup side, ladies, is doing better than the grocery side. And their clientele, their clientele is actually 50% Muslim. Come into their store, so that is that is feeding this pastor's family. And now they're able to take what little offerings come in on a Sunday and help the poorest people in their congregation. Next. So I've been able to speak uh, in these places. This is their sanctuary, which is actually on top of that pastor's family living quarters. We were able just recently to purchase these chairs because monthly I've been doing via technology a monthly Bible teaching for about 50 of their young adults meeting in this room right here. And so we purchased those white chairs so it could feel like a classroom. We purchased that screen, uh, that flat TV on the back there so uh, they could see me better as I was being piped in next. Um, But then, two and a half months ago, I was there with my son, Taylor. So here's Taylor with his back to you, and there's me in the plaid shirt right there. So we did two, three services every day that we were there. Um, wherever we were, where there was children, we were feeding children afterwards, and it was just an awesome, awesome time. I want to encourage you. So, my son and I have a podcast, Worship Is Life, the Worship Is Life podcast. Episode eighteen and nineteen. Episode eighteen is the unexpected, miraculous escape for the two of us out of Pakistan as they were getting ready to shut the entire country down for three weeks, and we got a six-hour notice. So, that is a crazy, crazy story to listen to. Then the next episode just talks about the rest of our time there. This piece of property that we are standing on is is why I'm sharing all this with you. So, this piece of property sits on the border of two Christian villages. And right now, Worship is Life is in the process of raising this summer, by August 30th, $30,000 Thirty thousand dollars to buy this piece of property on which will be built a building that will uh, serve as an orphanage and a Christian school for free Christian education for the children of these two villages and um, and the orphans are going to be taken care of by the widows in the community and it 's just these people they have they have such vision and passion for their people. It's just awesome. And so, a year and a half ago, I really felt like, Lord, I know we're a small, fledgling ministry that is still in the, the infant stages, but I feel like we're to a place that we need a place that we are giving into for the long haul. And I think this is, I think this is it. So, we had a matching $5,000 donation come in that's already been matched, 10000 in the bank. Then we had another matching $5,000 donation come in right now. So, by July 31st, we're trying to match that $5,000. So afterwards, if there's some of you who want to meet me at the table um, and donate to that to help us match that, uh, your dollars will be doubled today. So thank you for uh, letting me share that. Next. All right. So to the message, I am going to share with you the three insights that have over time become the foundational insights of of this message. It's going to feel like another fire hose for those of you who have been at the conference. Um, I am a teacher. I mean, I served as a worship arts pastor for 30 years, but I, I am a teacher, and I'm passionate about these insights. And even though they're simple, I, I, I know you're going to see things differently as I point out several things in Scripture to reveal this. And we're going to go into high gear and just keeping that gear. Here we go. Insight number one. Next. Um, oh, we're going to answer these two questions. What is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship? And why does it matter? Those are two big questions. Next. Next. Insight number one, let's all say this together. Worship equals relationship. Again, worship equals relationship. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I want all of you to think of a one-word answer. Don't say it out loud. Then I'm going to count to three, and we are all going to say our one-word answer together at the same time. Here's the question. When a leader stands up here and says... Let's all get up and worship. What activity do you assume we are going to engage in? One, two, three. That was pretty clear. Now, I know that most, if not all of you, know and understand that worship is more than singing songs to God. But we have just confirmed that our current cultural idea of worship is very closely, almost equal to music and singing. Fun fact in the Bible, over 200 times do we find the word worship, but only a handful of times is the word worship in the Bible in the context of music and singing. Which means God's description of worship is much bigger and much broader than our current cultural idea of worship. Is singing songs to God worship? Yes, Is it bad to call our singing time the worship time? No. Are there unintended consequences if we only think of worship as singing? Yes. Because then we keep putting things in boxes and compartments. Sorry, ladies, that's just how men do things. And so we keep telling you to do the same thing. We put (laughs) things in boxes and compartments. And when we put worship in a box, who are we putting in a box? Yes. Do we want God in a box? Do we want God only in a certain part of our lives? Do we want God in only a certain part of our services? So what is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship? Why can we say that worship equals relationship? Well, as I look at all the context of all of these passages where we find the word worship, there's one word that jumps out at me that would summarize all these passages, and I've obviously chosen that word to be relationship. So, my definition after 30 years of being a worship arts pastor, my definition of worship has become this simple and this succinct. Worship equals relationship. God always looks through the lens of relationship. Everything God does is in the context of relationship. Let me give you some examples. Next, picture of the Ten Commandments. When I ask Christians, non-Christians alike, to describe the Ten Commandments, most say, well, it is a list of rules, or it is a list of do's and don'ts. And on the surface, that appears to be true. But if we do what God does, if we look through the lens of relationship, we notice that the four commands on the left are how to do relationship with who? Yes. And the six commands on the right are how to do relationship with who? Yes, others. Because everything God does is in the context of relationship. So, yes, they are do's and don'ts, but they are how to do relationship and how not to do relationship. Next. So, by the time Jesus came to us in the flesh, the Jewish leaders had added hundreds of commands to the commands. So, it's very common for them to sit around and argue about what is the two greatest commands. So, one day, a Jewish leader came to Jesus and said, teacher, tell us, what is the greatest command? And we know that Jesus began by saying, love God with your entire being. But then he made two stunning statements. He said, the second command is like the first. The second command is the same as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the two commands, the two greatest commands function as one. They cannot be separated. We try our best to separate them, but they cannot be separated. You cannot love God without loving others And you cannot love others unconditionally without the help of God. And then he said, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Next. Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, close friends with Jesus. Luke chapter 10. Martha invites Jesus to dinner. Jesus accepts. I'm sure He had disciples, others with Him. They come over for dinner. The story says Martha was distracted in the many preparations. The story also says Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes and says, Lord, don't you care that I'm serving by myself? Tell my sister to come help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, in all my years of growing up, as I have heard, read this story, the way it's come across to me through my own reading and through teaching of many people is that Jesus was affirming what Mary was doing, and He was scolding Martha for what she was doing. Now, I don't know how many of you in the room here are doers, but I'm a doer, okay? So, like, On the scale, the spectrum of relationship and task, I'm like way on the task side. Why God ever called me to be a pastor, I have no idea. Because I am way on the task side. So the day I discovered worship equals relationship, that was not a good day for me. Because I'm a doer. And so I always felt as a doer that we doers got a bum rap in this story. Like, why is Martha being scolded for for doing the work? That's how this story always came across to me, whether by my own reading or being taught it by others. Then, the more I studied worship, all of a sudden I'm like, that's not the lesson of this story. That's not the lesson at all of this story. So, doers, I'm going to put a smile on your face today but I'm going to give you a challenge, going to give you a challenge too, okay? So, in the original languages of our Bible, there's two words that we translate into the word worship. One of the words means to bow, bow your life before the Lord. That's what Mary was doing. But the other word means to serve. That's what Martha was doing. Matter of fact, when Lucifer is given the third lie to Jesus, Jesus rebukes him by taking both of those words and putting them into one sentence and quoting Deuteronomy when he says, "'Worship, bow, the Lord your God, and serve, work, Him only.'" So, what is the lesson of this story? Mary has chosen what is better. What has Mary chosen? She's chosen relationship. Mary has chosen relationship. What did Jesus say to Martha? You are worried and upset about many things. So this is what can happen for all of us, but especially us doers. Doers, watch this. When we get over-focused on the doing, the focus is on who? Say it louder. Self. Self. Absolutely that is what happens to all of us but especially to us doers when we get over focused on the doing the focus is on us and not relationship so doers here's the challenge doing must always flow out and be connected to relationship if it's not connected to relationship then we slip into being focused on ourselves and the activity and the doing as opposed to the relational dynamic that is connected to the doing. This is why we have this tension between trying to understand faith and works and why Paul tries to break it down and why James tries to break it down and why we've been trying to break it down ever since. Here's how I've come to break it down because it takes both. Worship equals relationship. Relationship requires engagement. Engagement implies doing. There's doing in relationship. You can't avoid it. Faith and works, faith and works, faith and works. Here's how we look at it now. Faith, this is looking through the lens of relationship, okay? Faith describes relationship with God. Works describes relationship with others. They always work together. Cannot separate them because God always looks through the lens of relationship. Worship equals what? Yes. Where are we? I think we're ready for insight number two. Insight number two, next. Am I right? Go again. Yes. Everyone say this together. God works in patterns. So, God does relationship in a pattern. Now, we're getting to answer the question, what is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship? What is the connection? The connection is His relational pattern, the pattern in which He does relationship. So, we don't talk about this very often, that God always works in patterns. And it's so obvious to all of us. So obvious, but we just don't talk about it. But let's demonstrate it here, okay? I'm going to say a bunch of patterns. You're going to finish each pattern with one word, all right? Here we go. First we have day, then we have... The ocean tide comes in, and the ocean tide goes... Every action has an equal and opposite. You reap what you... Judge, and you will be... Forgive, and you will be... Be merciful, and you will be shown... Like, it's obvious, right? God always works in patterns. It's just who He is. By the way, that's why we work in patterns, because we're made in His image. Okay? God works in patterns. So, God does relationship in a pattern, and I have found it to be extremely helpful to recognize this pattern and then do my part. There's the doing again. Do my part in staying engaged in His Pattern. Here's the pattern. Next. Let's all say this title together. Ready? Revelation and Response. That's what we're going to call the pattern in which He does relationship. So, God is always revealing Himself and inviting us to respond. So, He reveals who He is, Creator, Redeemer, Helper, Provider, Protector, and invites us to respond with adoration. He reveals what He's done, created, redeemed, healed, set free, and invites us to respond with thanksgiving. He reveals what we are to do and invites us to respond with obedience. This is His relational pattern. And then when we respond, God responds. And it's just this pattern that is intended to keep on coming around. It's not a formula. It's not a scientific laboratory in the courtroom formula because it happens different every time, all the time. But it is a pattern. And recognizing the pattern helps us to do our role in staying engaged in relationship with God which always translates into relationship with others. And God calls this worship. So the easiest way to recognize it, by the way, you will now see this pattern every time you open your Bible. But the easiest way to recognize it is when we look at some of the lives of the people in the Bible. Next. So we have Noah here, right? God said to Noah, go build me an ark. Noah responded by doing everything the Lord had told him. And then God responds to Noah. Next, Abraham. God says, go to the land I will show you. So Abraham responded and went as the Lord had told him. And God responds to Abraham. Next, God reveals himself to Moses through a burning bush. And Moses responds. And then God responds to Moses. Next, Mary, the mother of Jesus. The angel Gabriel reveals To Mary, this, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Is that beautiful or what? I want to live there. I want to live there. Now, these are some dramatic Examples. And I've shared with you a personal dramatic example of God's relational pattern of revelation response. But whether it's dramatic or whether it's simple and in a moment, the relational pattern is the same. God reveals, invites us to respond, and then God responds. So He asks us to stay in a place of always looking, always listening, and always lovingly responding. And then Jesus, I think we want to live here too, John five nineteen. The Son can only do what He sees the Father doing. So the pattern is stated in reverse, but it's the same pattern. Jesus is saying, whatever he sees the Father doing, that's what he will do. And can I tell you that this is intended to be a place of rest, not striving? This is intended to be a place of rest. My yoke is what? My burden is what? Those are the words of who? Yes. Yes. I know it can feel like striving. You know why it feels like striving? Because we overemphasize the doing. We overfocus on the doing. And is there doing involved? Yes. But it flows out of a place of rest and trust in our Creator and Redeemer and Helper. It's mysterious, folks. There's no way around it. It's mysterious, but it is so real, so real. And every one of us has been given the invitation. Now, I'm going to give you my favorite earthly analogy of revelation and response. Next. So, two days a week, I teach teenagers how to drive. Yes, it's true. I've had 30 or 40 near-death experiences. And actually, every number two lesson, I'm right at this intersection with a student as we go downtown St. Paul. But a few years ago, as I was giving a student... By the way, this is a great, amazing job. I get these students one-on-one for two hours at a time. And I've had over 2,000 students from my town. And the conversations I've had with them have been just amazing. Amazing. And I've been so blessed to be in that role. I'm not kidding you. I'm in year six of this job. In the last six years, I have by far had more deep, meaningful conversations with people outside the church than 30 years of church staff ministry. Okay? So, God bless all of you who are in the marketplace Shining God's light and showing his love. Because worship equals what? Yes. So I was giving a student their third lesson, which is their final lesson, which is parking and then reviewing for the exam. And I was reading through the list of what they're going to be evaluated on. And I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Driving is revelation and response. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm like, every moment you are driving, you are constantly responding to what is being revealed to you every second. The light turns green, you go. The light turns red, you stop. The light turns yellow, you. Okay, difference of opinion on that one. (laughs) But the point is, it's a response. Either way, it's a response. Whatever you choose, it's a response to what's been revealed to you. And when we are maximizing our potential as a legal and safe driver, we are focused on two relational dynamics our relationship with the laws of driving, the authority of driving, and our relationship with everyone else around us. And those are the same two relational dynamics God calls us to focus on. Our relationship with Him and His laws for living, and our relationship with everyone else around us, and the laws for driving and God's laws for living are there to help us relate to everyone else around us. Next. Now, we fail to maximize our potential as legal and safe drivers when we become what? Distracted. The number one cause of accidents in America is what? Distraction. Here's the big question. We get distracted when the focus shifts to who? Aha. Now, we could argue, and it feels like the distraction is like something else out there, right? It's, oh, the kids are screaming in the back. Or, oh, there's that flashing billboard or that neon sign getting my attention. Oh, the sound on the radio needs to change. Oh, the temperature in the car needs to change. But it's because the focus has shifted to ourselves, and this is the tension of life. God calls us to focus on Him and relationship with all those around us, and we, our our tendency is to focus on ourselves, because that's what we do right out of the womb. I mean, right out of the womb, we're screaming for air. Give me air. I've been sucking water, and now what is this I'm breathing? And now feed me, and now change me, and now burp me, and now put me to bed. Right out of the womb, we're focused on ourselves. And so it's just... It's a journey. It's a journey. When you get the revelation that life is about God and others, it's a journey on how to bow your life down and love God by loving others. Bow yourself down and love God by loving others, because worship equals what? Next, Judy. All right. I'm going to take just a little pause here and give you an insight as to why our singing time has become labeled as our worship time, and it's because of relationship. So, in the Bible it says over 120 times to sing to God. Why? Because God knows the way He's made us. He knows the way He's made everything around us. And when you take the lyrics of the songs that we sing here and you take the mysterious beauty of how music moves our being, then singing songs to God, for God, and about God is one of the most meaningful, effective ways to enter into God's relational pattern of revelation and response. So it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. But the reality is it's only one way to enter in to God's relational pattern of revelation and response. And God invites us to invite Him into every area, every moment, every conversation. But let me show you what I mean when I talk about lyrics of songs. So, we sang this this morning, Waymaker, okay? You are here moving in our midst. That is a revelational statement, God is here. And by the way, God is here because we are here. Okay? Now, when we respond, God responds. And so, yes, there is an increased amplification of the sense of His presence when we come here. But it's not because God lives in this building or it's not because we have to come here and invite Him to come somewhere from out there and now down into this room because... As sons and daughters of God, we are the dwelling place of the presence of God. And when we respond to Him, He responds to us. And when we do it together, it's even more dynamic. It just is. You've all sensed it. You know what I'm talking about. But it's about the relationship. So here's a revelational lyric. Next lyric. Would you say that's a lyric of response? Yes, I worship you. I'm looking at the revelation that you're here and that you're working, and I worship you. Next lyric. You are here working in this place. That is a revelational statement. Next lyric. I, uh, you are waymaker, miracle worker. Promise keeper. So, we are singing revelational statements of who God is and what He's done. Now, this is, um, yeah, go back to that, Judy. So, this is really interesting because when you're singing this, when you were singing this this morning, did you sense yourself responding as you're singing this revelation? Do you sense, okay? So, so you're responding even when you're singing revelational lyrics, but it is such a, a, a blessing to sing your response. Okay? That's what happened in the worship wars between hymns and choruses, this whole revelation response thing, but we won't take time to go into all that. Okay, next thing. (laughs) Revelation, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Next. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. So, revelation response is filled in the lyrics of our songs. Add music to that. Add our coming together and all singing in one voice. That relational dynamic is just powerful. But guess what? The same relational dynamic is happening right now. I am listening and responding to God. You are listening and responding to me and to God, and God is responding to you right now where you are in your seat because it's the same relational pattern. What happens during the singing and what happens during the preaching and teaching Are they two different expressions? Yes, but they're the same pattern because worship equals what? Relationship. It's the same relational pattern. I'm going to ask um, Becky to come to the keys and trick us into thinking we're almost done. (laughs) Let's go to the uh, third insight. We worship, okay, so this may sound like a stunning statement, hopefully not as stunning as you've been listening to me. Insight number three, we worship God best when we love others. Let's all declare that together. We worship God best when we love others. Next. So that statement is so true and so challenging this message is t- the, the the this these insights are so simple but so challenging because watch this so here's my wife and i i have a wonderful 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 wife but i am too selfish and too self-centered to love my wife unconditionally unless I'm staying engaged with God. It's the only way that I can love her for the long haul, unconditionally, unless I'm staying engaged with God. Next, family picture again. I have amazing kids, amazing kids. But no matter how amazing they are, I am too selfish and too self-centered, to love them unconditionally and unselfishly for the long haul without the help of God. And just as God calls me as His child to love my family unconditionally, He calls me to love anybody else that He brings into my life, whether for a moment or long term, to love them Unconditionally. Next slide. So this is just one example of, of something that my family and I have a conviction about uh, uh, that we do on a regular basis. So when we are in a restaurant where we are going to have a server, we actually treat the server like a person and not our slave. And we get to know their name, know a little bit about them have this flow of in-and-out conversation as they're moving to our table and away from our table. And then, when the time is right, we simply say, we're going to say a blessing over our meal. Is there anything in your life that could use a blessing today? And we have done that dozens, if not hundreds of times. And just like the driving, I wish I had time to tell you the stories that we have had with servers. We did it just yesterday. Down at... The poorhouse with our server and her sister is going through cancer. And on one hand, that can sound so intimidating, but on the other hand, it's so simple to just acknowledge God and then welcome Him into that moment. And no matter where that person is, we've had all the response all over the spectrum, but no matter where that person is, if they've never thought about God, if they weren't thinking about God that day, if they weren't thinking about God in that moment, now they're thinking about God. Maybe shallow, maybe deep, but they're thinking about God. Why? Because we, as God's children, acknowledge Him and welcomed Him into the situation. And you can apply that to every area of your life, obviously. But it's this, it's this place of just staying in His in connected to him, staying connected to him. Next, one last biblical example. This is Jesus and the rich young ruler. The young man comes to Jesus and says, actually asks a very significant question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty important question. And of course, like all of us, he's asking, What do I do? What do I do? What can I do? I want eternal life. What do I have to do to get it? And Jesus didn't give him, well, he did and he didn't. He gave him a doing answer but not the kind of doing answer you might think. Like, I would think he would say something like, okay, here's what you do. In a little while, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. And when you hear about that happening, you say a little prayer to ask me into your life, and then you will inherit eternal life. He didn't say that at all. He said, keep the commandments. Like, what? What? That kind of sounds like a works-based theology there, Jesus. Want eternal life? Keep the commandments. Well, of course, we've already seen that the commandments are all about relationship. But then this gets really fascinating because the young man says, which ones? And it's like Jesus doesn't even list any of the four on the left on how to do a two relationship with God. Go read it yourself. He lists the last six commands. Want to inherit eternal life? This is how you do relationship with others. Now, we're not going to get into a whole theological discussion about that right now, but isn't that fascinating? Because worship equals what? And relationship with God always translates into relationship with others. You cannot separate the two greatest commands. And God calls this worship. Next. So when you hear phrases like worship is life or worship is a lifestyle or pray without ceasing or walk in the spirit, those are simply phrases that are describing staying engaged in relationship with God so he can help you in your relationship with others. And a phrase that God gave me that serves the same purpose is this, living in awe of God. So this place of remaining in this worshipful place, this relational place, and then the word awe, ah, you can see, is broken down into an acrostic, A, acknowledge, W, welcome, E, engage. So our relational, our part in the relationship is We stay engaged by always acknowledging and always welcoming God. And it's a journey, and it's intended to be a place of rest and not a place of striving. That can sound like overwhelming. Like right, like right whenever you hear the phrase pray without ceasing, it's like, yeah, good one, God. Okay. But it's simply a phrase describing of staying in that relational engagement. Remaining in that relational engagement. Next. Um, okay, last slide. So, we've had this phrase made into a graphic and then we've had it put onto a magnet. So, I just want to just share with you just a few resources that are back there. Okay. So, these magnets are free with any purchase or with the giving of your email. Okay. This has just been a great, for me, just a great handle that I have displayed daily of another reminder of God. Today, I want to grow in staying engaged with you, not for my sake, but for the sake of everybody else whose path I'm going to cross today. Um, we also have uh, my Worship is Life book back there, and the subtitle is Finding Our Identity in the Story of Worship, because identity is what's at the core of, Of relationship. Also, my son's album is back there, which is really awesome. And then we have a children's book, My First Worship. This is a great tool in forming your kids from the very youngest age that life is all about relationship with God and others, and God calls that worship. I've been reading this to my grandson ever since he popped out of the womb. And then if you really want to go deeper or if you are a teacher or have a ministry where you're looking for content, um, I have a flash drive here that has 11 video teachings of mine uh, unpacking this and all these other teachings that are connected uh, to this and our life of worship, complete with downloadable notes and everything. This is on our website for $99, but you can get this here for $49 if you want to go deeper there. And I also really want to just encourage you to listen. God, do you want me to be a part of helping this group of brothers and sisters in Pakistan break through their cycle of poverty and their cycle of of not hearing enough teaching of your word so that they can maximize their potential as your sons and daughters. So if that's you, uh, see me at the back as well. Father God, your truths are, on the one hand, so simple, and on the other hand, because of our own self-centeredness, so challenging. Nothing new under the sun. This is Another message that is saying the same thing that we say from this platform over and over and over again. Love God, love people, but we keep coming back to remind ourselves who you are, to remind ourselves who you've called us to be. If you're here and you have never accepted invitation to restored relationship with God, you can accept that invitation right now. And I want to tell you that It's more than just a blessing of restored relationship with your Creator, your Redeemer. He's going to help you in every relationship that you have with others. So if you're here and you have not accepted that invitation, stepping in to relationship with your Creator, with your Redeemer, with the one who wants to help you, I invite you, accept Accept the invitation. Accept the invitation. If you're here and you just want to grow in this reality of staying engaged with God so that you can be His vessel of love and light, just ask Him right now, Lord, what does that look like for me? How do I do and keep it connected to relationship. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Father God, I just ask that you would help me. I ask that you would help each person in this room, and I ask for your blessing upon their lives, the blessing of your sensed presence, the blessing of your provision, the blessing of your protection, the blessing of your purpose for their life. We bow our lives before you, O God. We are your children. We are your friends. We are your servants. Help us to work in the house you are building. We thank you, Lord. We lay our lives before you, O God.
0: We've had an incredible opportunity this weekend to be blessed, to be challenged. I've been challenged. And my hope is that each one of you would be challenged as well. Thank you, Adventure Church, for letting us host this conference here and to, to bless you. I'd like to I'd like to take 1 second and illustrate what I don't want to happen. Holly, would you come up here for a quick second? Really quick. It'll take just a second. I've got a cup. I want you to I want you to stand down below me, right down at the bottom below me, and I want you to turn around and face the crowd. Do you trust me? <laughs> Do you trust me? This is what I don't want to happen to any of you. As I raise this cup above Holly's head. And I begin to tip this cup. I don't want that to happen to you. I want your cup full. So that when you have the opportunity to pour out to someone else. There's something there to pour out. See, if I empty this cup on Holly, there's no effect. Only when that cup is full. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me. (laughs) Only when that cup is full is there an effect on the people that we touch every day. And our desire at the wilderness, and I know the desire here at Adventure Church, is to fill your cup, to fill that bottle so that when you go out from this place, you can make an impact. I said it before, unless what happens when we gather affects what happens when we scatter, what happens when we gather doesn't matter. That's from Todd's book, I believe. So thank you being a part we're hoping that your cup is full i want to help bless those people that are that that todd was talking about at the back door if you feel you want to give towards that project um there'll be guys back there with uh with a bucket that you can leave a a donation there if you want to check out the wilderness booth over here before we tear it all down if you're unfamiliar with the wilderness you can get acquainted with us there um There's a donation bucket there too, but we are so thrilled to be able to pour into this church. Father, I pray your blessing over each and every one here today. I ask God that as we go out from the walls of this place, that we would go out filled up full and ready to pour out what you have poured in to our community, to our neighbors, that we would take it far and wide, oh God, the message that you are all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. So help us. Help us pass that message out freely. Thank you for blessing and pouring into us over this weekend. In Jesus name, we give thanks. Amen. God bless you all. We went long but it was worth it, wasn't it? (laughs) God bless you. Thank you for being a part, and um, have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.